0: Hello, and welcome to the Soulless Church podcast. Thanks for tuning in. We pray that God speaks to you today through this message. For more sermon content and information, visit soullesschurch.com. All right, so I'm going to start with a couple questions. The first is this. Have you ever been to a bed or breakfast? Okay, I guess those do exist, but um, have you ever driven a car with a gas or brake pedal? Come on. Really? All right, I'll keep going. What if you were forced to choose between always being awake or always being asleep? What if you could only eat or drink? And I I hesitate to ask this one. I'm sure some of you will raise your hand. But what about a peanut butter or jelly sandwich? See, I knew it, this guy. He's the one that's been to the bed or breakfast as well. Um, well, what I want to argue this morning is that as we, as we find our place in God's mission, we don't really get to choose between word or deed. To exclude one of these main components of God's mission would be like driving a car without a, a gas or brake pedal. You'd have to choose between either not going anywhere or driving recklessly, putting yourself and others in serious danger i think clearly the word must be and not or so today we're we're going to ask and hopefully answer three main questions regarding word and deed as we participate in god's mission the first question is this i'm going to ask these questions and i want you to like think like process and sit with it and try and figure out what the answer is for yourself the first is this how am i currently how are you currently practicing word and deed in God's mission. So Matthew 5, 14 through 16 says this. You are the light of the world. Now, time out. This is Jesus talking. Uh, This is the Sermon on the Mount. This is like like the most famous sermon ever given. And Jesus, Jesus takes this second and he says this. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand and it gives light. To all in the house, in the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father, who is in heaven. Uh, man, I think some of us can get so on board with like community service—we're serving the poor, we're volunteering at church, we're taking care of the environment, uh, we're giving money—but uh, but we but we never really like tell people about Jesus. Or maybe some of us, we love to go sit down with friends and, and get coffee and lunch, and we tell them all of the, the bad news of sin, the good news of Christ, and, and we just like, love to evangelize and tell people about but we never like, do anything for anyone. And maybe some of us kind of fail to do either of those. A- and sit with that for a second. And as you sit with that, I want to tell you a little bit of a story. So Casey was just up here last week, and he's kind of a mentor to me, so you got to meet him a little bit. Um, if you didn't know who he was, I wouldn't, I wouldn't share this, but you guys got to know Casey. Um, a couple months ago, he gave this message on, like, orphan care and, um, you know, how the Scripture calls us to be caring for orphans and widows, and, uh, and it was, like, this very compelling, awesome, like, Word that, that made much of Jesus and it was this great sermon, and, and I was convicted, and my wife was convicted, and we're like, man, we gotta we should probably do something about this, you know, and it was this great word, but then not only does he give this awesome word, but then Casey like fostered and then adopted two orphans. And how much more powerful is his message to, to us about caring for orphans and widows if he himself and his family have fostered and then adopted? Orphans. He, he, he not only is giving the word, but he's doing the deed. He lives it. He lives it, word and deed. So that's the first question. The first question, man, how, how are you, how am I currently practicing word and deed in God's mission? The number, number two is this, second question. What is holding you back, or what is holding me back, from practicing word and deed in God's mission? Now, now I think um, there's probably more than one answer, um, but I think there's one answer that that is probably true of all of us to a certain level, to a certain extent. Each of us can relate to the, to this next slide, and and the word is is fear. And we fear what someone might think of us when we share the gospel, right? Like, like, it's not very often that I can just like so boldly just get up in front of people I don't know and share the gospel without thinking. What are they thinking about me? We fear how people will treat us. We fear we might lose friendships, and guess what? We probably will. Uh, we fear that we might get rejected. Guess what? We probably will. All of these fears are legitimate, and I'm, and I'm not going to say we can't have them. I affirm those fears. But let's look at what, what does culture say about fear, and then what does the Scripture say about fear. And then let's apply this. this the, the culture says, so I don't know if you guys are familiar, um, back when I was a kid, there was like the no-fear movement, right? It was like a brand, okay? And I had a hat, and I would wear my hat everywhere, the no-fear hat, and on the inside of the hat, there was like a saying Right on like the and it was like second place is the first loser, or like th- things like that. No fear, man. Like just go. Or there's a quote, and I don't know who this is by, you're probably familiar. The only thing to fear is fear itself. There's like this: the culture says, Man, you cannot be afraid. You have to like be strong and brave and no, no fear. Well, I think the scripture has something different to tell us about fear. 2 Corinthians 5:11 says this, because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. God knows we are sincere, and I hope you know this too. Fear is not only healthy, but I think it's something that we should be longing for, actually, Um, a healthy fear of the Lord. There's a commentary that talks about fear of the Lord, and it says this, it's the awe that a person ought to have before God. Sometimes such fear is appropriately demonstrated by those who have displeased God. Think of Adam and Eve. They were afraid of God when they ate of the forbidden fruit. The threat of judgment ought to produce fear. But in a more general sense, fear of God can be engendered by a simple awareness of God's magnificence. Fear of the, like, fear in and of itself is not really a bad thing, especially when we are fearing the right things, the fear of the Lord. And now, now I don't know, some of, you, some of you might not have had a um, good relationship with your earthly father. And praise the Lord that we get a heavenly father to, uh, to fulfill this, like, perfect model of Father. Right, but but I can think back to when I was a kid, and um, and and I had this like healthy fear of my my earthly father. Like mom would say, "Wait till dad comes home." Like that's a that's a healthy fear, right? You want you want that dynamic in the family relationship, right? You want mom to be like, "Hey, wait till your and and the kid is scared, right?" Um, and I was scared. There, there were times where like like man, I was like, I can't believe I just did that. When my dad finds out blank. Like, this is not going to be good. I had a healthy fear of my father. I do feel like I could take him now as I'm older. I think, I think I've got some of that old man strength now. I've got like white in my beard. I have, I have, I have dad strength now. That's a thing. Some of you know. Um, and he's old, so. And not only fearing the Lord, but, but the fear that we have of another's perception of us should pale in comparison to the fear we have of their impending eternal separation from God. It seems oftentimes we have what I would call like misplaced fear. So there's a quote from Elliot Clark. It says this, it should be on the screen. Have we really taken into account the end and outcome for our friends, relatives, neighbors, and coworkers? Is our failure to evangelize really an issue of fearing too much are not fearing nearly enough. Do we cherish our comfort in others' respect more than we cherish God's glory in their deliverance? Will we love them enough to fear for them? Man, it's not not a matter of, of like, should I fear? Fear's bad, fear's good. It's this idea of misplaced fear. We don't fear enough the impending eternal separation of our friends, relatives, neighbors, and coworkers. So let me tell you a little bit about my fear. Uh, as I said earlier, uh, I've worked in this church context for, for like the last 10 years now, ministry, and, um, and about two years ago, I started to feel the Lord's call uh, to branch out from my current ministry context, which, as I said, was at Spanish River, um, not too far from here in the student ministry world, and I was comfortable and I knew like how to do my job, and and I'm not saying that I was the best youth pastor. Don't don't hear that, but I was like okay, like I could do it. Like I could, like I knew I had the material. I knew how to plan events and pull them off. And uh, and I, every four years you could recycle your material because you had new kids coming in, right? So you only needed four years of stuff, and games. Brian knows. And and. And then I had this, like, this feeling from the Lord that was like, hey, um, I want you to leave this, and I'm not really going to tell you exactly what it is that you're going to do, but, but I just felt that, that the Lord was calling me to blend my passions of fitness and ministry. That was it. Um, and, and then it was like, okay, well, how do I, like, make a living doing that? Like, how do I provide for my family? doing that. And, and so I had a standing meeting with my, my boss at the time. Some of you might know Ron Tobias, the executive pastor at Spanish River. And every week for about maybe a month and a half, I would go in to this meeting with him knowing that like the Lord's like, hey, you got to tell him about this thing that I'm like putting on your heart. And I said, no, I can't do that. <laughs> and then the next week, hey, like you got to tell him, no, I don't want to like push it down, push it down. And, uh, and then one, one time, I'm sitting there, we're in the meeting, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to say it, I'm going to say it, I'm going to say it. And I told him, I said, hey, man, um, I feel like the Lord's calling me to, to, like, blend my passions of fitness and ministry. I don't know what that looks like. And, and if you don't know Ron, Ron's very kingdom-minded, we like to say. So, so anything that he can do within his power is, is he's going to, like, make it happen if it's going to be good for the kingdom, right? So as soon as I tell him this, I knew that it was essentially like giving him my letter of resignation and that's exactly what happened (laughs) so I said hey I got I have this like idea this this vision and and he's like oh okay awesome like hey we're gonna bring in your replacement uh you you have about like like two months of overlap and uh and then you're on your way good job all right here we go and I'm like like maybe a a small like sentiment of sad to see you go would have been nice but didn't really didn't really get that in other words uh God had this different plan for my for my word and deed in his mission. And it turns out that, that he wanted me to to like plant a church. And when I say me, I, I I include my wife in that. Like she's she's been on the on the on the train. Like, it's not just a me thing. Um everything that happens with um uh, with ministry and planting churches and all the like you gotta, you gotta remember, like that the wife is, um, is very much a part of that. She's not the one maybe getting up here and like, talking or whatever. But she's 100, percent and that goes for all pastors um, and their wives. Anyways, he wanted me to plant this church. He wanted us to plant this church. The, the kicker is that this church would look different from the typical church plant, right? Oh, and and it's going to be inside of of somebody else's CrossFit gym. And, and you're going you're gonna to go, God's saying, you're going to go and, like, bring the church to the people instead of trying to always bring the people to the church. And you're going to, like, really lean into this, like, community aspect of, of fitness and, and CrossFit, whatever. If you don't like CrossFit, that's fine. <laughs> you either love it or you hate it. Um, but there's, like, this strong community component to fitness. And you're going to, like, take advantage of that in a good way. And, and you're going to, like, plant the gospel in these fitness community centers oh also you're going to work in that gym and you're going to build relationships with people as you're like coaching and training them but then you're also going to be able to provide this pastoral presence to them this is this is what the lord had for 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 us and and i don't own the building i don't own the gym business but i get to have kind of the best of both worlds as a coach and a pastor in a secular gym where the harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few and, and there was a, uh, a couple who they were coming to the gym and they were being coached by me and uh, they were going to get married. And they said, hey, we don't have a pastor yet for our ceremony. Um, would you would you consider doing it for us? I said, yeah, that'd be, that'd be awesome. Little did they know that I would then say, hey, we're going to have to do six weeks of premarital counseling. And uh, and like we're going <laughs> to we're going to gospelize your marriage before you before you actually get married. And and they're like, um, okay. And so and so we did. And and they got to like, man, like learn so many good, awesome things about like conflict resolution and like how to love and respect and like all of these things that we know of a healthy marriage that they would not have had otherwise. And it's because we leaned into this fear, and we took that step of faith, not really knowing what we were doing. And, and planting the gospel inside of this gym. And, and not only that, but it's, so it's kind of, uh, you might be familiar with bivocational ministry. So, so bivocational ministry is, is kind of when, when you have a pastor who has like a marketplace job here, and then uh, like a ministry vocation here. And they're like kind of separate. Well, well co-vocational is a term that I stole from somebody. And you, and you bring the two things together. So my marketplace vocation also exists in the same place as my ministry vocation. And, and there's, like, a lot of advantages to that, right? The, the bivocational guy often will say, like, I'm going to only have this marketplace vocation until, like, the ministry grows enough where I can then leave it. Well, I'm saying, dude, I want to I wanna be working in this gym as a coach and a trainer forever because there's, like, really cool opportunities, like getting to... Um, officiate a wedding for somebody um, because I was coaching them you know at 5.30 in the mornings you know uh, and there's like financial advantages like you know the, the ministry doesn't have to raise like all extra kinds of money because I get to like supplement that with income from, from work there's relational like I said there's there's exposure and there's this idea that that the, the ministry can be a little more agile and we'll talk about like how that plays out how that has played out here in just a second so, so I began to face a lot of my fears and attempt to place my fear in the right places instead. I needed to fear for the eternal destinations of my gym friends. I needed that to become way more important than how they might think of me or, like, make fun of me. And, and so we did. We, we planted 11th Element Ministries at uh, at CrossFit Hype in Delray Beach. And some of you have been there. Um, and so there's there's, like, there's 10... Elements of fitness, right? We'll say there's, there's like speed and strength and agility and power and balance. And, and if I tried to name all 10, I'd miss one. And so I'll stop there. Uh, and so what we're saying is like, well, what the fitness world says, if you address each of those in a well-balanced way, then you are like a well-balanced athlete. And so what we're saying is we want to incorporate one further element of, of also addressing our spirit and our faith. And then we're a well-rounded person and not just an athlete. And so we meet every week. We worship and we fellowship together for a short time. We get after a free workout together. We, we have uh, missional communities that, that represents more of our kind of discipleship efforts. We lead several discipleship groups throughout the week. We've been able to start a Bible study at a halfway house just down the street from the gym. And then just more importantly, about, about a month ago, we launched our second location at IHP. Um, here in East Boca, Institute of Human Performance. And so every Saturday morning from 11 to 12.30, there's, there's free snacks and drinks, there's a time of fellowship, there's a message, and there's a free workout. And that's, that's the goal, is that we want to see this like like the vision, is that, is that God just opens doors to where we can plant these, I like to call them gospel outposts, in these fitness centers, right? And so, and so the, goal, the goal has always been, and my prayer is that it always will be, I want to find the, the super fit guy who doesn't know Jesus, right? And I want to use 11th element to, like, like man, let's bring, Je- let's bring Jesus to this guy. I also want to find, like, the super awesome Christian who has maybe, like, failed to address their physical health a little bit, and they know that. And they're like, man, I, like, I was created in the image of God, I feel a certain, like, sense of responsibility to take care of that, that physical body. And so, therefore, like, yeah, I want to participate in something like this. Right? So, so there's, like, there's like this, this back and forth. There's two sides to the coin. I want to I wanna address, like, I want to address both. I want to I find the guy who, who might be super fit physically but not spiritually. And then the reverse of that, the one who is super fit spiritually but maybe not physically. And that's what 11th Element is all about. We get to provide this pastoral presence to the fitness community. We get to blend the importance of physical and spiritual health. And so I have a, I have a buddy in Greenville, North Carolina, who um, is going to plant 11th Element up there. And then I have a buddy in Indiana who's like, he's talking to his gym, and, and there's like all this cool interest. And then he's trying to find some local churches that can get on board to support it. And, we're just trying to pursue any of the doors that the Lord opens for us, and the goal again is, is just that we're blending the importance of physical and spiritual health, and we're doing it by like by planting church inside of these these gyms, and, and again it's it's like this different model, and I get that it's hard to it's hard to like understand, but I think that I think that there's like ecclesiastical. Uh, minimums for church right there's certain things that you want to have as part of a church and I get that but um but I think that that 11th element embodies those things we we practice the sacraments you know we fellowship we worship we teach the word like like all of these things there's discipleship are happening just in this totally different model so I said I used the word kingdom outpost there was a there was a competition a crossfit competition a few months back and um, and it wasn't ours, but we like showed up and we set up our table and we had flyers and, and here, here's like this little 11th element ministry church plant, quote unquote, call it what you want. Um, that's just like right in the middle of this like crazy big, you know, hundreds of people, CrossFit competition. People are walking by, they're like buying shirts. They don't even know who we are. They're just buying shirts because they're just buying shirts. That's what you do at CrossFit competitions. Um, and, uh, and I'm like, yeah, awesome. Wear that. And, uh, and, and it's just so cool to, to see how God has, like, continued to open these doors for us to plant these, these kingdom outposts in the secular spaces. Sometimes when I'm by myself and everybody's gone and I'm in the gym and I'm running the floor cleaner, um, I'll just, like, I'll blast some worship music in there and, and I just, like, pray. I'm like, man, Lord, just, like, descend upon this physical place, this secular space. Like, have your spirit do something awesome in this spot. Make this a place for serious kingdom impact. How cool is that? Like these secular gyms, like are being prayed to That's just a really cool picture of how I think the Lord is working. So So why am I telling you all this? Good question. Uh, number three. The last question that I have here is what are you or what am I going to do about it because I think that each of us here might need to be like activated in a sense like like yeah I'm not saying that you're not doing something and you need to like go get them no I'm not saying that you probably are but there might be a, a, another level of activation that you can that you can reach maybe we tell people about Jesus really well but we need to activate the deed part of our evangelism. Maybe it's the other way around. We, we look at uh, the, at the life of Jesus and we see him demonstrate word and deed. He preaches, he tells gospel stories, he calls people to repent of their sin, calls people to believe in him. But then he also performed miracles, and he provided food and drink, and he healed people. He raised someone from the dead, and ultimately Jesus performed the greatest deed in the history of the world, by living the perfect life that we couldn't live, going to the cross while on the cross, having all of God's wrath and punishment for our sins, past, present, and future, placed on him. The punishment that we deserved placed on him. Physically died, three days later, rose from the dead. We just celebrated Easter a couple weeks ago. He defeated death and the punishment for all of our sins. Then he, he, he... ascends to heaven, he now sits at the right hand of God the Father. And he continues to intercede on our behalf to the Father. And it's this deed, this work of Christ, that provides us with a bridge back to a relationship with the Father. So long as we place our faith in the finished work of Christ. We become clothed in the righteousness of Christ we then receive the spirit in our lives, the same spirit that gave Christ the ability to perform his word and deed, that same spirit now lives in us. And it gives us the power and the ability to perform the words and deeds that we're called to. It's important to, to like remind yourself that same spirit that gave Christ the power to do what he did now lives in each of us. And I mentioned Casey earlier. He, he's a great example of word and deed. Not, not because he's a good dude, but because the spirit lives inside of him and God is using him to do awesome things. Andrew, the same thing. You're blessed to have an awesome pastor who doesn't just lead by what he says, but by also what he does. And I didn't plant 11th element just because I thought it was a good idea one day, but instead, because the spirit lives inside of me and God is doing something really cool that I'm just blessed to be a part of. And you... If you've placed your faith in the work of Christ, you have the same Holy Spirit living inside of you, and you, Solus Church, have been called to a particular place in God's mission to execute your word and your deed. And how cool to know that the God of the universe has a plan for you to participate in his mission. That is cool. And that's also something you don't want to miss out on. You don't want to miss out on what God's called you to participate in. And if you haven't yet, man, let's make today the day that you begin this journey to be activated in your part on God's mission. Let's make today the day you make the words of Matthew 5, like, apply to your heart. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. It gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works. Give glory to your Father who's in heaven." Let's make today your commission, let's make today your activation, let's make today your like call to action. And I don't know what you do for work, where you spend most of your time, where you spend your money, what you like to do, but I would argue that the answer to where your like kingdom outpost is, is probably within those three things. Maybe you don't have a business that allows you to plan a church and transform a physical place into a, into a church, but you, as Jesus says in this passage, are the kingdom outpost wherever you go and whatever you do. My wife is a hairstylist, and um, I'll tell you something. There's something special about the salon chair. You guys might know. I don't know like what the deal is there, but, but the floodgates open up. And she gets to disciple and minister to her clients like right there as she's cutting and coloring and all the other things that hairstylists do. But if she wasn't intentional with her time spent with her clients, there could be great opportunities lost. And that's what I'm trying to encourage you today. Figure out like where has God placed you or what is he calling you to do and then be intentional with that. Step like, yeah, it's scary. I get it. Like I left, I left the comfortable office that I had and I knew where my paycheck was coming from every week and I took that step of faith and God's provided in really awesome ways so let's not get rid of fear but let's begin to fear more let's fear God more let's fear our friends eternity more let's continue practicing what I like to call gospel fluency Let's be fluent in the gospel of Jesus by bringing the person of Jesus to wherever you go. The cost, I think, is way too great for you to not. The cost is too great for you to not step into the God-ordained calling he has for your life. The cost is too great to not bring your friends, family, neighbors, coworkers into eternal glory with us, with you. Cost is too great for you to not. So right where you sit this week, I want you to think, right where you sit right now, I want you to think, what are you going to do this week? What's, the, what's my immediate response to this? And don't think of it as this, this guy I don't know, Logan, is on the stage and he's telling me something. Think of it like, like God is, is telling you something right now. It's not me. I think the Lord is trying to tell us something. So, like I said, I've had the honor to start discipling some guys in the recovery community a little bit um, over the last year. And and I'll close with this little analogy. Um, One thing that I've come to realize is that sobriety, for those in the recovery community, is, is a matter of life and death. If they fail to continue on their path to sobriety and recovery it can it can lead to physical death and they know that and i've known some who have lost the battle and i've known others who are winning every day but i think the same truth remains that that the stakes are the highest that they could be And I think the same is true for our spiritual lives as well. It's a matter of life and death, and we need to treat it that way. It might not, it might not seem that way to us, right? Because it's not some, like, immediate response to, like, if we don't live our lives, in, you know, as a matter of life. Like, if I, if I go off the path for a second, it's not going to have the same consequences as maybe someone in recovery going off the path, Right? So we don't, we don't treat it maybe with the same like, intensity that it's a matter of life and death, but it is, the scripture's telling us that it is a matter of life and death. And, and, and church, we need, to, we need to treat it that way. I'm not just saying like for your life in particular, but I'm saying for those who are in your life. Like God's calling you to, to play a role in his mission through word and deed. And he's counting, he's counting on you. And, and he'll do it without you. Don't get me wrong. He's powerful enough. <laughs> but he's calling you to play a role. And so, and so my, my encouragement, my exhortation, my strong encouragement is to like lean into that. Like what's God calling you to do? Like where's that step of faith that he's calling you to take and like, and, like be a part of his mission? And and like I said, it's it's scary and it's fearful. And we had a big word that was fear on the screen, and I get that. But but on the other side, when you when you get to experience the provision and like greatness and awesomeness of God as you take that step, that's scary. Uh, that's a cool train to be on. When you get to be a part of God's mission, when it's scary and it's hard. But you get to see and provide that. That's where you want to be. I'll close with this verse. Philippians 4.9 says, What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Let's pray. Thanks again for tuning in. We pray that you were blessed by today's message. If you'd like to visit us in person, we gather at Don Estridge High Tech Middle School in Boca Raton, Florida, every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. For more sermon content and information, you can check out solaschurch.com.